Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rosillo and I'm the host of this show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. And today we have a really fun guest. His name's Carlo Valdez of USA Bobsled. Carlo is a crazy incredible person from Newport Beach, California. We get into why the heck he went from somewhere warm to a cold weather sport. Doesn't make any sense to me because I hate the cold, but hey, teach his own, right? Uh, but no, Carlo is an incredible dude. He's done some really impressive things. A lot of fun, a lot of fun to talk to, just kind of how he got into bobsled, just like most bobsledders um, and skeletoners. Um, they have some really interesting stories and really what they've been up to. He was at these recent 2018 games about a year ago. Um, so he's a lot of fun to talk to. And I hope you guys really enjoy uh, his story, really what he's up to now. And I think he has some some great insight on life. But first, have you ever wanted to launch your own podcast but didn't know where to start? If so, you're in luck because I've partnered with launchingpodcasts.com, a step-by-step course to easily launch your podcasts um, from all the way from figuring out what you want to talk about up to your first four episodes. I have personally used this information to launch this one, this podcast that you're listening to right now, and I have seen some absolutely amazing results. Why did I create a podcast? So I could grow my brand, build new relationships, and become a thought leader in my space. And now you can too. Head over to launchingpodcastswithans.com and get $50 off by using my promo code Mike at checkout. That's launchingpodcastswithans.com, promo code Mike. And without further ado, here's Carlo. All right, today's special guest, Carlo Valdez with an S, USA bobsledding, born February 11th, 1990 in Newport Beach, California, the nice part of California, the warm part of California, and that's why he became a bobsledder, right? Graduated from UCLA in 2013 with a bachelor's degree in history, started bobsledding in 2013. I guess you got your foot wet for right around 2013, 2014, officially joined Team USA in 2014, 2015 season, and competed in the four-man event at the 2018 PyeongChang winter olympic games carlo thanks for hanging out with us today man i appreciate it yeah thanks mike thanks for having me i'm really excited to be on the show heck so, yeah let's yeah. rock and roll yeah i mean if you don't mind let's let's go back to the california part the warm part that's what i want to know a little bit more about uh so tell us what it's like i mean i know you and i offline are already talked about you know all the tv shows about newport beach just kind of curious is that what it's really like growing up there no not at all <laughs> that, that's like that's like the one percent and that doesn't even like happen you know, it's just, I know yeah it's people just trying to be, you know, extravagant for Hollywood, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and tell us yeah, what it's really it's, like. Show me, show me the down and dirty in Newport Beach, California. What it's really like, man. It's it's just, you know, you're always it's always sunny. It's always seventy five mm-hmm. degrees. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just a perfect place to live as far as weather goes. I mean, as far as like stuff that I do, um, man. I, I mean, I played a lot of sports growing up. You know, went to the beach a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's a beach town, honestly, you know, it's just a, a fancier beach town, you know, of course, and especially nowadays, you know, the way it's grown, you know, since I was a kid, cause when I was a kid, there's like nothing fancy about it. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, a cool, cool place to be, you know, a great, great beach spot. You got Huntington, you know, just above us and you got Laguna just below us. So it's like, you can't go wrong with any of these areas. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a great place to grow up in. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of athletic talent around here, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, just because. So yeah, competitive sports growing up. And yeah, I have a lot of friends here. So I mean, yeah, it was a great place to to be as a kid and especially now. But yeah, yeah it's it's not yeah, you do you do see like, you know, the, the fancy 
things going on, but nothing like you see in TV shows. That's yeah. just like, that's just so, that's just fantasy. Well, and, and so I'm from New Jersey. So what do I get most of the time? Everyone asks me if the Jersey shore is real. Um, no, it's not. Uh, no. And everyone on that TV show, if I'm not mistaken, is from Staten Island. So don't, don't blame that on me. Uh, that's not where I'm from. That's not what I do. That's not really what it's like. Um, yeah. but I'm sure if you're looking for something like that, you can find it just about anywhere. So no, I totally feel you, man. That's just, uh, that's TV for you. That's Hollywood, as you said. So I uh, love it. I love it. So I know, uh, obviously, it said you went to UCLA. So you still stayed in the beautiful part of California just a little bit longer. I know you were a football player there. You were on the track team there for a minute. Um, tell us about your time at UCLA and kind of how it led into uh, eventually your bobsled career. Yeah, so UCLA went in for football. Um, it was actually a backup school, believe it or not. So I had oh. um, scholarship offers to Washington State and Arizona State, but got taken off the table because of coaching changes and other mm-hmm. circumstances too. So um, it's pretty disappointed at that. Um, so, you know, who I, having my whole education paid for, that would have been sweet. Play that football would have been time. sweet, yeah. Um, but, you know, my life had a you know different way of working out. So, hey, um, who were the coaches at the time? I'm curious. So this was right around when I was coming, because we're, we're about a year apart, maybe a year and a half apart. So who were yeah. the coaches at the time? At, um, so it was New Hospital's first year. Oh, okay, okay. You know, that was the first year when I came into UCLA. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was football for the whole first year, redshirted, you know, scout team. You know, it was fun, you know, because we, we would beat up a, a really good defense that we had um, and make them look bad sometimes. But, of course, it was for, for their own good, of course, and getting them ready to go. Um, great experience, you know, still keep in touch with most of the guys um, I came in with that mm-hmm. first year. Even even other guys on the team too, because I, I even though I just did football that one year and then tr- switched to track for the next four years, you know we still are were around each other for a good amount of that time. Yeah, I mean you're so, constantly spending time with these dudes. Of course, I'm assuming the relationships grow pretty pretty quickly, especially when you're 18, oh, 19 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so after that first year of football, I did the first year track. I was a decathlete, and then. After that, um, well, so wait one second. Um, what what was the reason you stopped um, playing football and switched over to track? Uh, well, for me, I mean, as a kid, I mean, I was a kid at that time, nineteen um, years old. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I kind of put a lot of pressure on myself to start, you know, as a freshman, let alone a walk on. Um, so yeah i I didn't think things through I didn't think about oh, I have four years, five years of you know doing this and uh so I just you know said, "Oh well, I have a better opportunity in track, so I took that i mean I mean I love both football and track, but mm-hmm. having that opportunity um to do well as a decathlete and track you know that that really enticed me. Mm-hmm. And said, you know what? I might as well make the change. It was tough. Like I walked in the new eyes of the office like in tears because I'd pretty much just given up 12 years of my life um, to a sport and that was it. Um, so, so yeah, I uh, moved on. Um, and from there, after that one year of decath- you know, decathlete, uh, through javelin for the next four years. Um, and that kind of set the stage for me becoming a bobsledder. Um, because, you know, bobslayers are big and fast, 
and I was very fast and then I got bigger and then I got faster. So it was kind mm. of weird. I didn't think that would be possible. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went from like 190 to 220 within a year. Um, so yeah, stuck with that. Um, and then the idea came up when, uh, I was a third year and then I had two teammates or one teammate and a volunteer assistant who were, you know, the other guy was about to graduate and the other guy was coaching, but it was like part-time. Mm-hmm. And, and then my coach at the time, so it was Art Venegas when I first came in and then Mike Maynard came in um, after that. And he's the one that told us to try out for bobsled when we were done. So you explain why, you know, big and fast, like we have prototypical body. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not try it? So those guys went out, they made it. And then from there, um, you know, he's just like, well, if those guys can make it, then you can make it. So two years later, you know, I went out and yeah, one thing led to another, I was doing well and, you know, the combine push champs and team trials and all that stuff. And yeah. So, I mean, if I, if I continue to play football, I probably wouldn't be bobsledding, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So probably. Just, I mean, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it was heavily influenced by the the other guys on your team as well as the coach at the time. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that is, you know, all these, every Olympic athlete I've found has a story uh, that has a lot of these little one-off weird events. I mean, like you, because of coaching changes at two other schools, you ended up going to UCLA yeah. and realizing at a young age that, okay, maybe this wasn't for you. So you switched back to track. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just all these weird little things and all these random occurrences almost that led you yeah. to becoming, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the best at something here in America. And I think that that is just incredible. So when you were in a decathlete, yeah. obviously that is a huge Olympic event. Did mm-hmm. it ever go through your mind that the Olympics were po- a possibility through that event or was, was the Olympics not even something that you even considered at that point? Yeah, no, it's always, it's always been a goal of mine to reach the highest level of mm-hmm. any sport. So whether it was, you know, football or basketball or baseball or, you know, the Olympics for track, like it, it didn't matter. Like that was always the goal for me. Um, and yeah, once, once football was done, I'm like, okay, well, you know, NFL's out of the question now. So decathlon, yeah, my goal is to make the Olympics in decathlon. So that was, that was, it's always been my mindset. Mm-hmm. And when I switched to javelin, I'm like, okay, my goal is to be, you know, the Olympics for javelin. So it just, yeah, it never changed. The, the, re- the mindset never changed. And then, like once reality set in with those sports and that the, the timing was just like, okay, like when is it going to happen? And then bobsled happened. Mm-hmm. So it's just like something I didn't think was ever going to, you know, be a part of just so happened to just pop up. And the next thing you know, I'm like, okay, where are the Olympics? <laughs> for, for bobsled. Yeah. How do I be the best? Go to the Olympics. I love it. Like, yeah, again, exactly. it's just, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, intri- it's, it's impressive that you've kept your mindset the same, even though each time you've almost run into an obstacle, let's call it. I mean, you're, the, the yep. end goal was always still there and it was always be the best, go to the highest possible competition, whatever I'm doing, I want to get there. And, and mm-hmm. Hey man, you made it, which is pretty impressive. So I think that that's yeah. super cool. So what, um, tell us, so you, so you told me the story offline, but tell us now that we're, we have the red button going, what, um, what was, what, like, what was your first experience with bobsled and kind of, starting to become immersed. I know it was before the, the 2014 Olympics, the Sochi Olympics. So tell us a little bit about that story um, that you told me before. 
Yeah. So uh, when I went out for my first combine after I graduated, um, I got to take some time off just to heal some injuries that I had mm-hmm. from javelin because I got hurt a lot throwing javelin. And um, yeah, from there, took that time and then did a little training. Just got, you know, took what I had from the previous season and just a little little more on top of it to see how I do with, um, you know, with, with my combine mm-hmm. and it did good. Um, you know, it did, you know, solid compared to their standards. And then from there, I was just asking questions. How do I get involved? Like, do I have a shot at the Sochi games? Like, like what's the next step? So it's like, well, well, um, you probably need a little more experience for, to get on the national team. And it's a little too late because they had team trials and everything else mm-hmm. before that. But, um, so the second I realized like there's no shot, I still went out to Park City for um, a lower circuit race just to see what it's all about and the process and you know being around the guys who've been on the team for um, you know a good amount of time, whether it was a year or two years, three years, and so on. Um, but weren't on the national team, so yeah, went out for a week, was watching the races, watching practice you know, how they put sleds together, like what goes into behind the scenes work, all that stuff. And then after like a week of watching, like someone came up to me, he's like, Hey, like you flew out here to watch. You might as well go down if you want to do this next year. So I'm like, all right, I don't have any, I don't have any stuff with me. And so people are just like giving me things um, to help me, you know, go down for a few trips. And yeah, man, I, I got thrown in the fire pretty much. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's no, no push track, no, no dry land stuff, nothing, nothing like that. Um, and yeah, my, I was terrified. My heart was pounding on my chest that first trip. And, uh, yeah, after that I was like, I was hooked. And, I, and then from, from that point, I was like, I think I took four trips, um, you know, two, two per day in the last two days I was there. And then, I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait till I come back out next year and then, you know, kind of follow the team uh, because, you know, I had my past teammates from UCLA on the team. So I was, you know, trying to follow mm-hmm. them, see how they were doing. And um, yeah, from there, it's kind of set me up for the next year. Got my foot in the door. Um, so, you know, there's a few people that knew I came out last year and, you know, had that acquaintance going where compared to other people had, you know, nothing to work off of so it helped um and yeah the next time i stepped in the sled that year or hopped in the sled i should say it was like all right i'm used to this now mm-hmm. <laughs> um but still still had to learn a lot a lot to learn so that's how i kind of set myself up for the year after sochi and um yeah it, it was good because you know there's a lot of turnover too from the guys that retired from sochi um and yeah, from that class, actually, uh, well, fun fact, um, I was the only one that made the Olympic team from that class. Really? Yeah. Congratulations. That is a fun fact. Hang your head on that one. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, obviously, very impressive what you did not getting into the team. I mean, as you said, that first one, you went down you're terrified and you were hooked from there. I think that that clearly says something about you. Um, if I'm terrified by something, I'm probably not doing it too many more times. So I respect the heck out of that, but so tell <laughs> us, uh, so you're on the team, the 2014, 2015 season. What do you do 
And, and I mean, summarize or go as, as far into depth as you'd like. What do you do for the next three years leading up to that Olympic year, getting ready in, in essentially a sport that you've kind of just just literally just started and only have done four or five times. Um, you're like, okay, well I've done this enough. Now I want to go to the Olympics. Like how, how does that work? And what do you need to do over the next three years to get to that, that point? So, yeah. So every year we have a a season and we have a world championships, we have a world cup season and then we have a world championships. Um, yeah, each year and it's like seven races and then world champs. Um, so each year, yeah, we're, we're trying to accumulate points and, you know, grow as a team one and get experience because a lot of it has to do with experience. Like I was saying before, um, it's just reps, 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 mm-hmm. you know, you need, you need the reps and we yeah, we had the same structure each year, you know, going towards, uh, the Olympics and then, um, yeah. And then in the, in the off season training for it, it's just, yeah, I, I would, this is how my year would be structured. So um, I would start training in May and then yeah, do all my, my high volume, um, low, low weight, you know, stuff then just to, like, just to beat my body up and really build it up, get some weight on for training, you know, help out with the load and things like that. Um, and then from there, yeah, we're, we're training towards our first test, which is usually in September, mm-hmm. August or September, depending on the year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, from that, we're, we're training for that, you know, doing cycles and, and, um, lifting, sprinting, pushing, you know, the works I'm working out six days a week at that point, two times a day, most of the days. And yeah, each session is like two to three hours depending. So my job is to work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and yeah, recovery is huge. Recovery is super important. Um, eating. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we, we have access to a lot of food. I'm like just downing five to six thousand calories a day during that time. Um, and then, yeah, once September hits, we do our testing, you know, the combine, the push test. Um, Want to be ready for that. And then from there, we do team trials in October, which is uh, our like our inner squad. And that's how like one of the most important steps to making the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we just race against each other and yeah, see, see who comes out on top pretty much or who does the best. And then once team trials is done, then we start a world cup season, which is usually end of November, beginning of December. And then we go to places like, you know, like Placid. So that's our home base and then park city or Calgary or Whistler. And then in, in Europe, we have the three tracks in Germany. We have, um, Eagles, in Austria, we have uh, St. Moritz, Switzerland. We have mm. um, Leplan, France. Uh, Sochi, Russia. That was one of our World Cups after the mm-hmm. games. Um, yeah, the track's then, built, right? You might as well use it. Yeah, yeah. It's just tough getting there because yeah. it's not close to every <laughs> other track. But mm-hmm. yeah, we're doing you know seven, eight races from December to February, and then usually World Champs is end of February going into March or beginning of March. Mm-hmm. And then from there that's done. And we go back to either Lake Placid or Park City and we test, we test sleds, we test setups, we test a bunch of things to kind of help us out, see what would work best theoretically, um, you know, on different tracks. Mm-hmm. 
and just seeing what the best option is moving forward because we can always get better. Um, so we do that up until like the first week of April or until they open the track or let it slide mm-hmm. just because it does, does cost money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So after that, the tracks close. And so I take three weeks off um, in April before I get started again in May. Wow. And the whole cycle goes over and over again. That, that was literally each year up until, you know, last year. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, is, that's, that's a packed year, man. That's pretty crazy. Lots of travel. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're going to some pretty places. Um, yep. But at the same time, I mean, how much free time do you have there to actually walk around and hang out? I was going to say probably not too much. No. He's shaking his no. head. Sorry for everyone listening. He shakes his head. <laughs> um, so awesome, man. Well, that that's pretty thorough. Thank you for that. I, I really enjoy hearing kind of what it goes goes into it. And it sounds like you just get better and better each year until that Olympic year. So I guess let's let's go from there. What is qualifications like and how uh, you're on the, the four-man team? I mean, how how many of those do we get in the Olympics? Do we even, are we even guaranteed a spot? Kind of how, how does all that work so we can understand next time we're watching to come back, listen to this episode and actually remember what goes on? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, a lot of people ask that, like how it works, the process. Um, so the way it works, like the reason why we do the World Cups is to accumulate points for World Championships and get a uh, sense of where we can potentially line up for um, that race. So it's, a, it's really important to be ranked as high as we can to have, you know, the first pick of where we, we uh, go when we slide or the, the order of when we slide. Cause you know, usually on most tracks, like, okay, if you're off first, then you have the, the advantage. Mm-hmm. If you're off last, then you have the disadvantage because the track gets beat up and it, lo- it slows down essentially. Mm-hmm. So kind of just um, as an analogy for anyone that watches hockey, like how the first couple minutes after the Zamboni came out and, and made everything nice and pretty, you see them flying yeah. around. And towards the end, you start to see the ice chips come up and, and a little bit of snow on the, on the, yeah. the rink. So, okay, cool. Thank you. Yep. Exactly how it works. So yeah, when it's glossy and you know shiny, that's when it's fast. Mm-hmm. When it's like just beat up and frosty and you know, when it loses that glossy feel and that's not as fast. So I mean, it's, it's usually fair, a fair race when it's really cold. So like mm-hmm. anything, like I would say below like 15 or 10 degrees, Ooh. that's, that's when the track stays somewhat consistent, mm-hmm. holds together. Um, and then anything above that, when it's warm, it's really hard to maintain, maintain the track. Um, so it all depends, but yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're accumulating points to get a good, start order for world champs or the Olympics. And then from there, um, yeah, the way, the way we qualify sleds is usually, so the top three nations, um, will get three sleds that accumulate points over the season. So, um, like for instance, it was us, uh, Germany and Canada that had three sleds for the Olympics. And the reason being because, all three sleds were doing better than the three sleds from like Russia or, or the three sleds from Latvia. Mm-hmm. So it was really a competition between us five really. Mm-hmm. And then from there, after the three countries get their three spots, then it goes to the next six countries. will get two spots. So okay. and then you, yeah, usually like that's kind of a guarantee for us just because we're so we're usually very deep mm-hmm. with push athletes and we always have two solid pilots for sure. 
Um, and after that, everyone, every nation gets one. And as far as like having the diversified um, countries um, compete, um, any country that hasn't been represented gets one. So like, you know, for Africa, um, like you saw Nigeria um, compete. So they had a team. So Nigeria was able to compete because they were the only country from, or the only nation from that country. So continent, continent. Yeah. yeah. That's what I meant. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, but, but you have to qualify. There's a, there's a, you have to qualify, even though like you might be the lone mm-hmm. continent being represented. So yeah, you have to go through that before you even considered. Um, so like, you know, there wasn't an African nation or African, yeah, African nation represented at all, uh, for the men's side. Um, and yeah, everyone always asks about Jamaica. Jamaica didn't even qualify cause they didn't have the standards mm-hmm, for, for the Olympic games. So yeah, you have to do stuff in order to be considered and nothing's guaranteed. You just, you just have to, you have to do everything they ask of you pretty mm-hmm. much. And yeah, if you're not, if you're not in the top three, you don't, you know, then you don't get three sleds. You're not in the top six. You don't get two sleds. So mm-hmm. that's how it works. Makes sense. Very cool. And then, so tell us about your experience there. I mean, it's something you've been gunning for, for a while, especially since your, your football career, you, you stopped doing that. So you've been trying to go to an Olympic games at some point, um, whether summer or, or winter and you got there. So tell us about it. What was the experience like? What was the opening ceremonies like? What was the whole, you know, give us, give us the rundown on the experience you had. Yeah. Uh, it was above and beyond what I thought it would be, you know, cause you hear stories about the past games and, you know, how successful one was or how much of a disaster one was um, from a, you know, amenity standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like Sochi, that was considered a disaster for, yes. for athletes. We all heard and, a lot of stories about Sochi. Yeah. And then, like, Torino wasn't that great. Um, Rio, man, i uh, heard some bad stories about Rio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this games was was awesome like they had everything everything was done everything was completed you know there's no nothing that was not completed Mm -hmm. the village was done the all the what do you call the venues were done ton of people like the crowd the crowd was insane like you got you got people from all over the place but of course it was predominantly like korean Mm -hmm. and like they're those fans were awesome because they didn't care who was up. They were always cheering. <laughs> awesome. like, was, yeah. I mean, obviously when, when the Koreans, yeah, up, yeah. It, it was, it was so loud. It was, it was like, it was a madhouse. Like they would break some, like they would break some sound barriers. Like it would be, I, know, oh. <laughs> I, I caught myself. You're good. They break, you're good. They, they would break some sound barriers. Um, you know, they stepped into, you know, one of the stadiums here, or uh-huh. arenas, whatever. But, but yeah. Um, other than that, like, yeah, we, had a ton of resources available to us on, mm-hmm. on the, in the village. Transportation was great. Food was great. Um, opening ceremonies was by far my favorite moment mm-hmm. um, just because that's when it like really finally hits you that you made the Olympic team. You know, for me, it didn't really hit me until then. And for a lot of people, because mm-hmm. I mean, I expected to, to be there, not, not to be confident, but I mean, just with all the work I put in and the results we were putting up, I'm like, yeah, I'm on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so 
that's yeah, I mean, stepping yeah. into that stadium, just about everyone's told me um, that's that's one of the biggest moments. And then there's a couple sports that can't go, unfortunately, just because of just because of how their their um their, yeah. their schedule lines up with then having to be out the next day. And I know it's a very mm-hmm. long walk, if I'm not mistaken. It was a pretty chilly night as well, and it, it took oh, forever, it but. Everyone said once you make it into the stadium, it was so completely worth it that yeah. there is there is nothing like it. And you know, I'm never going to experience it, unfortunately. But that's why I get to talk to people like you and hopefully live vicariously through you next time as well, uh, yeah. and be able to see and feel what you guys are going through. So, so then you know, obviously, it sounds like you had a very good time while you were there. What was what was the competition like? Because again, you've you've raced all of these people before, right? Or just about you know yeah. these people you're, you're you're on the same circuits as them so what what is how how does the olympic games differ from just another one of these world cup events or or even the bigger world championship events not much honestly because business as usual we compete mm-hmm. with the same people all year um where other sports you know it's it's like they don't have that kind of setup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um yeah, we see we see each other all the time, usually every week in season, mm-hmm. especially the past, you know, four years. So when we get there, it's just like, oh, hey, what's up? Hey, yeah, the only difference is the amount of people and the amount of cameras and the amount of coverage mm-hmm. and, you know, the mm-hmm. little media area down down at the bottom because you, you have to walk through this, like, this media uh, uh what we call it, like, I forgot what they call it, but pretty much there's just journalists, news reporters, you know, the work's just waiting for us before we go back up or go back down to our crates. And that, I would say that's the only difference. Like, it's just more coverage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. So how, how did you personally deal with that? I found there's kind of a spectrum for some athletes. It's either don't pay attention to it at all or embrace the heck out of the understanding that you're at one of the biggest sporting events, you know, every two years and a billion people are going to watch you. Like, how do you, how did you handle that spectrum and where do you think you fell on it? Um, wait, sorry, repeat that. So like, did you, <laughs> no, you're good. Did you take that understanding of everybody watching you in the media there and did you utilize it? Yeah. And did you say, let me run with this adrenaline or did you pretty much just try and shut it out, do whatever you, the bare minimum and really just think, okay, I've done this a million times. This is nothing new. I'm not going to do anything different. I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I just kept everything the same. You know, there's no reason to, you know, do anything different. Well, it's not, it's some, sometimes, I mean, the adrenaline yeah. isn't going to allow you to do everything the same, you know? So, I mean, clearly, oh, well. you know what I mean? So like, you've only been, you're, you're relatively new to the sport. It was your fourth year, right? Like some of those dudes have been doing it for 10, 15 years. I don't know, but like, you know, being able to then, as you said, you were the only rookie from your class, right. To make it. So it's not like, you know, you're the, you're the most experienced dude, obviously you've done it for a couple of years. So what was that adrenaline like, I guess, and how did you kind of temper it or, or utilize it? Oh, I, I always use it to the max. Like I, yeah, I stepped I outside my mind like crazy for a race. So the, the process there was always the same. I, I mm-hmm. might have taken a little more caffeine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just the moment, the moment, the bigger the moment, the bigger and better I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, 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 I use that energy, like mm-hmm. especially the nervous energy. I, I harness that and I put that into a positive where some people like, you know, they – 
you know, they, sometimes they can't feel their legs or like they, you know, they feel heavy or they, they feel uncomfortable for me. I, it's just, Oh, it fires me up. Love um, but, Love it. but yeah, it's, yeah, as far as like the, like, you know, things with the media and like social media, especially like people get carried away with that. Um, for me, I, it's just a good distraction. Mm-hmm. It's a good distraction for me. Like, cause it just keeps my mind, you know, in different places instead of, you know, just, yeah. you know, training myself on bobsled, which is, you know, people do sometimes and they just, you know, kind of lose themselves cause they're, they're hyper-focused, which works sometimes. But for me, I, I need to, I need to step away sometimes and kind of take my mind off of competing or training or things like that just for, you know, mentally, you know, it mm-hmm. works. And cause, cause I know, I know my mind, like when I see a date and I see we're racing that day, my mind knows to, to shift and flip the switch. Mm-hmm. And, and from there it's just, I know what I have to do and I'm going to get it done. So I love it. Yeah. There's no other way, man. That's a training your mind. It's a, it's one of the most powerful things we have and not too many people can do that. So congratulations. And it, I'm sure you still really have is. a little, you have a little while to go to, to, to really master it. Cause I don't think anyone has yet. So, uh, good luck with that, man. I know it's a long time coming, but you deserve it. So, um, so I guess what your, your experience there sounds incredible. The competition you were there, if I'm not mistaken, you guys placed 20th, correct? Yes. Yeah, we did. Okay. I mean, 20th in the world at anything, I think, is absolutely incredible. Um, one thing that I hate kind of about really the Olympics, I guess, is the – and it's more the media is just the, the, the sole focus on medals when I think we should just be celebrating the athletes for, for being there and understanding that top anything in the world, I think, is, is way cooler than not top yeah. anything in the world. So, you know, congratulations <laughs> on that, man. I don't think 20 is – is bad at all but I, personally i mean obviously everyone's gunning for gold right but what was i guess what was your expectations going into the games on the competition side uh goal is to medal 100 yeah. percent, and that was definitely feasible um yeah we just had some things happen that were out of our control um i don't know if you heard but um so justin guy who was my pilot during the games um he had an appendectomy um a week I prior. I do not yeah. remember that. Wow. Yeah, he had, he had an appendectomy the other week prior, um, the two-man race. And I don't know if Evan told you that because uh, Evan was racing two-man with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then – Maybe he did then, yeah. Yeah, and then after mm-hmm. that, it was the four-man race, which is only five days later. So, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it was tough for him to mm-hmm. even find a way to compete because he was nowhere near 100% because we expected to be – number one at the start like that was like we, we've done that you know the past two weeks or the past two races leading mm-hmm. up you know one two at the start so we're just like we're peaking we're gonna be one at the start this could be no doubt about it so with that like we knew we had a chance a fast start anywhere will give you a chance and just as long as you're clean a few spots driving wise then gives you a better shot so that was the way we were all thinking going in like it was possible, you mm-hmm. know? So, but with, with all that happening, you know, obviously with Justin not being a hundred percent, it takes, takes four guys to mm-hmm. push the sled. And, you know, we don't, we don't want to make him, you know, feel any worse than he really did. So like, cause he was obviously disappointed and thought he, you know, let us down, but you know, in retrospect, you know, we're, we're a team, you know, we lose mm-hmm. as a team. So, 
you know, we try to make sure that he's like, Hey man, like you could have easily said you, you weren't going to race. So the fact that, you know, he did just, you know, made it, you know, there, there's, there's trade-offs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we yeah. kind of made him feel as, you know, as, you know, the best he could. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we, we do, we did express our disappointment for doing as poorly as we did. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I don't know. I, I forgot what I said in our, my post-race interview, but like, yeah, they kept saying, yeah, you must be happy to be here. I'm like, yeah, but we came here for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, Hey, I so. mean, yeah, that's, that's just an unfortunate occurrence. I mean, if it happens a week after the games, it's one thing. Um, a week before that is just wild. I mean, that is impressive that he even went out there and was able to do that. So kudos to him. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. it kind of sucks for you guys. Cause again, you know, you did this for four years leading up to this point, right? I mean, it's not the only thing, obviously, World Championships, World Cup and everything going on as well. But, um, I mean, this is obviously one of the biggest events in the world. So why uh, that, that that's kind of a drag that it happened. So um, does that give you ammunition for 2022? Does understanding and knowing that you guys had an absolute shot to medal and a, something, a just very crazy occurrence happened just to get you ready now and uh, a little bit more motivated yeah. if you needed it? Hundred mm-hmm, percent. Yeah, Very cool. Definitely one of the more things, or one of the bigger things that's driving me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just I just, I needed some time away from the sport, just because of you know all the all the work that we put in the past four years, and for it to equate to twentieth, like for me, it just you know it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. for me and especially hot going into the gym afterwards and trying to you know think about working out six times a week um man it was just I, that's when i knew i needed time away because I, mm-hmm. I wasn't even enjoying training anymore mm-hmm. so yeah the coaches knew where i was coming from um everyone within the program the athletes um, especially with you know the passing of you know S- steve holcomb last year that that was just one of the things too that really, you know, hit all of us pretty hard, including myself. You know, being with him for the past three three years plus, you know, he's a good friend of mine because we 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 clicked really well. We're like you know almost, almost the same person, like had a lot of things in common, things like that. So yeah, I, it just it was just for me a healthy a healthy decision to mm-hmm. take some time away and get a career going because you know I. Yeah had to start thinking about that um and start you know building for my future um yeah tell us tell us about what you got going on um so yeah so i I work at northwestern mutual now i've been doing that for about six months and uh yeah i'm loving it so far it's like coaching you know it's coaching people Mm -hmm. in their finance where i you know used to coaching people in athletics whether it's football track or bobsled or any other sport for that matter just being athletic but um but yeah it's definitely being able to to help people grasp, you know, their goals and their objectives and finding ways to get there, whether it's saving or protecting or, you know, paying off debt or just trying to accumulate as, as much cash as possible before, before retirement, even in retirement, you know, helping, you know, distribution plans, things like that, just full, like you, you know, the full mm-hmm. picture, the full, full financial planning, full make people bulletproof and help people grow. Mm-hmm. cash so yeah it, it's definitely interesting um especially you know getting more 
familiar with, you know, how everything works, especially, you know, with wealth management, you know, it's, you know, obviously, you know, getting used to that because that takes a little more experience. Um, but, but yeah, it's definitely something I do see myself doing long-term and I can work remotely. I am my own boss. I just have to keep up, you know, my activity and make sure things are moving and yeah, just help build a business, you know, and then once, once I go back, then yeah, it'll make it, <laughs> make it a lot easier for me to, you know, do stuff outside of the sport mm-hmm. and, you know, purchase things and help, you know, pilots out get for equipment and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something I'm, I'm excited about and excited to, um, do this and bobsled at the same time with the, with a good balance, of course, like you said, mm-hmm. I, have, I have to, I'm trying to learn, you know, trying to find that right balance right now, even though I'm like grinding, you know, to, mm-hmm. build, to build the business up, but hopefully, you know, after a little bit, the load will lighten a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, congratulations. Um, it's definitely a very fulfilling profession. I, I did it for a little while. It wasn't quite for me, but obviously if you enjoy it, the coaching aspect of it that you brought up is, um, I mean, a hundred percent, you, you really do teach a lot of people and coach them on what to do and how to do exactly what they need to do. And they don't always mm-hmm. listen to you, but that's not really your fault, right? You can't do, you can't be everything to everyone. So congratulations yep. on that, man. And then the, the last thing I wanted to bring up, um, is classroom champions. Tell us about what you're doing over there and how you're helping out the community. Yep. How you're helping out the, the community even more. Yeah. Um, so I became involved with classroom champions last year. So this is my second year right now. And, uh, yeah, so it was started by another bobsledder, Steve Messler. And yeah, he approached me, what, two years ago saying, Hey, I think you'd be great at this. You should definitely think about it. Cause Cause yeah, it's definitely something where you're, you're passing along important lessons to, you know, these kids and these, and the, the whole idea of classroom champions is um, it's a nonprofit organization that helps, you know, these kids in these classrooms, schools in low socioeconomic areas um, where, you know, a mentor would potentially, you know, help reshape their life where they, they need someone besides their parents to help drive them, help motivate them, help them grow and develop, not, not just, you know, as kids, but, you know, into their adult life. And, you know, the lessons that we're passing on is, for example, you know, helping them understand the importance of setting goals, um, persevering, having resiliency, um, you know, what, why is, you know, building a strong community so, so important. Um, and then other, other things as well, like, you know, celebrating, you know, certain milestones, celebrating the little things, you know, doing the little things right to help set that up. And, um, um, yeah, it's helping them become leaders in their community. So love it, man. A, yeah. It's, it's very, it's very satisfying mm-hmm. and gratifying to know that you might not think you're making an impact, but you're actually making a huge impact. Yeah. So. You're making a big one. I mean, specifically to each of the, the, the kids lives that you're able to, to help, but also just in the community as general. So, um, mm-hmm. Carlo, this was a fantastic time. Thank you so much. One more time. Carlo Valdez with an S sets so like a Z mm-hmm. USA bobsled 2018 Olympian, uh, current Northwestern mutual financial advisor, if I may. Um, <laughs> so Carlo, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks Mike. Appreciate it.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Carlo Valdez. As I said, he was such a fun person to speak with. He has such a cool story, and I really, really got, um, really enjoyed getting the opportunity to hear what he's up to now, how he's able to make a little bit of money, considering how much they really don't make, um, and what he's he's able to do moving forward. So I'm excited for him, and uh, I'm excited to watch him and and listen to him on his journey and everything that he's doing. So uh, if you could please follow Carlo on all of his socials, everything's in the show notes. Please follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram at our athletes USA on Twitter, please rate review, comment, share, subscribe, um, just so that we can bump up in the, the, uh, the iTunes algorithm and some of these other ones as well. So more people can hear about what our, our Olympic athletes are up to and, and, uh, how they're getting by every day. And, and please one more time, go visit launchingpodcasts.com. Uh, it's really cool. It really helped me, as I said, be able to launch this and really understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So would really love if you guys could go check that out if anyone is interested in starting their own podcast. So without further ado, thank you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day.